real privilege to be able to bring God's word to you here again today. I don't know if you remember last time I spoke, which was Mother's Day, um, we were talking about a miracle sandwich. And as we continue on Mark's gospel today, and we're up to chapter 8, we'll be looking at food again, miraculous multiplication of food. So I think God's really speaking to us through our bellies. Um, So I'm calling this message Food for Thought. Um, I've got 21 verses, so it splits nicely into three sections. Feeding of the 4,000, or good bread. Uh, Oh no, not that old chestnut in the middle. And then dodgy yeast, bad bread. The good, the bad, and the Pharisees. If you've got your Bibles handy, we're on Mark 8. I'll read the first nine verses from the NLT version. So Mark 8. About this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. (laughs) Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they've nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? And Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told them all, told all the people to sit down on the ground. So he means business here. Sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and then he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Lord, I just thank you for your provision, Lord, as you proved it once again then and you've proved it to us on countless occasions. Lord, I thank you also for your word. Lord, this is probably a familiar passage to a lot of us here today, but I just pray, Lord, that there would be something in here that's new and life-changing for us, Lord. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, feeding of the 4,000, the good bread. The disciples have just had a deja vu moment here, proving exactly how unprepared they are as they were the first time around. This time, we're now in Decapolis. Almost certainly, this is 
Gentile territory. Now, some of our scholars have argued that maybe this specific miracle didn't even happen. They claim that this is repeating the 5,000 that happened earlier. And their main argument is, how could the disciples forget Jesus' previous work so quickly? Like me, you're probably a bit surprised with the disciples on this one. After all, when something happens to us, particularly when things go wrong, we tend to remember it and learn from our mistakes. For some reason, Jill, (laughs) I always remember the time when we lived in Winchester and you came to meet me from the railway station. But for some reason, Jill decided to park in the Stockbridge Road car park rather than the main entrance. Now, in those days, we didn't have mobile phones, so it took a while to find out where she was (laughs) before we were finally reunited. Once we both calmed down, We made sure that we were far more specific with any arrangements that we made. Now, last Sunday at Bournemouth, when Jill came back from Southampton and the train went in on the far platform, it obviously worked because she found me straight away. As a, as a project manager with Network Rail, uh, one of my responsibilities was getting key personnel together to look at lessons that we'd learnt from other projects so that ours didn't derail. That's a bit of a pun, sorry. (laughs) A specific project that I was involved in was the Portsmouth Resignaling Project, and it was a nightmare. So when we came on to Basingstoke, we spent hours in this crowded room going through, looking at the root causes of what had gone wrong at Pompey. And Basingstoke was far more smooth and worked a lot better. But let's face it, even the most mature Christians, myself included, having experienced God's power and provision over the years, still go on to act in unbelief. So maybe we shouldn't be too surprised here about what's happened to the disciples. Now I'm in the 2 Timothy 3.16 camp that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So I don't think it's any coincidence here that we've got this deja vu moment here in Mark's Gospel. The feeding of the multiple, multiple, lots of people was (laughs) was clearly, clearly important to the gospel writers since apart from the resurrection, this is the only miracle that all the four gospels have recorded. Do you know that, Paul? There we go. However, Matthew and Mark they both record the two 
different feeding of the multitude. Got it this time. Feeding the multitude. So, returning to the 5,000 that you preached on last time, didn't you? You were here, yeah. Versus the 4,000, we've got some similarities, but we've also got a few differences. So, here we go. Similarities. Well, they're both large crowds. Yep. Um, in both instances, they're all getting a bit peckish. In both, Jesus had commission. Sorry, had companionship. No, compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Very compassion. And in both, they ate well, and there was loads of food left over at the end. Proof indeed of the provision of the Lord. But what about the differences? Well, here's an easy one. 5,000 less 4,000 equals 1,000. That's easy. Location, location, location. The feeding of the 4,000 was in a different place to the feeding of the 5,000. So what, I hear you say. As I said earlier, the 4,000 took place in the region around Decapolis. Gentile country, whereas the 5,000 took place near Bethsaida, close to the Sea of Galilee, and that was in Jewetry, in Jewetry, in Jewish territory. Okay, let's let's go on to numbers again. Last time I spoke about the importance of the number 12. So here we've got another couple of important digits to think of. Now. I also think numbers are in the Bible for a reason and they're not just there for accident. So I think they're important. In the feeding of the 5,000, five loaves feed 5,000. There are five books of the Jewish law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And when they finished eating, there were 12 baskets, back to my old 12 again, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, as well as the lady that had been bleeding for 12 years and Jairus' daughter who was 12 years old. The second miracle, seven loaves. No, it's not quite as easy to put up. Seven loaves, but seven. And seven baskets collected. Seven is symbolic of completeness for both Jews and Gentiles. And seven reminds us of the seven days of creation when God created all humanity. And the seven days of the week. So five plus seven equals 12. Okay, that's the end of the math lesson. <laughs> we're also we're going back, we're still carrying on with the um, differences, yeah? And um, we're told here that the people have been there for three days. Sounds a bit like the Commission Festival, doesn't it, Paul? <laughs> three days. Coming up this summer, makes me makes you having 30 minutes of me sound a bit of a doddle, doesn't it, really? Um, the feeding of the 5,000, there's no mention about the amount of time they were there. And the 5,000... The 5, narrative the disciples wanted to 
get rid of the people. Dismiss the crowd. Whereas in the fourth, in the 4,000, Jesus had said, they're not going until they've eaten. Now, I need a swig. This is a good one. Striking difference between the words basket. So in here, Mark 8, verse 8, the word is translated from the word spirus, which means woven twigs or rushes. And this is a Gentile thing. And it's big enough to take a man. Who remembers Acts 9.25 when Paul, not you, the other one, um, when Paul was squirreled through this hole in the wall in Damascus to get away from the Jews who were going to beat him up? The baskets in the 5,000 in Mark 6.43, they're from the Jewish type, tofinos, kofinos, something like that much smaller, the Jews used those to put their food in so they didn't have to eat the Gentile food. So we're looking at totally different baskets here, a real basket case. The 5,000 miracle was performed by the little boy with five loaves and two fishes. But this time, Jesus asked the disciples to come up with some grub, didn't he? I'm still on, I'm still on the differences here. Did you, notice, did, you, did you pick up when I read the fourth miracle? How the disciples came up with the seven loaves and Jesus blessed them. And then they came up with the fish a bit later. A bit later. Do you think they were sort of testing him, see how he would get on with the bread? We'll see how he gets on with the bread and then we'll give him the fish. Is that why the fish came later and then was blessed? at a later stage. I don't know about that. One thing I do know is that we need to feel safe in giving everything to Jesus. And let's remember the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.9 saying, and my God will meet all our needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's park that one and we'll go on to the second point. It was difficult getting a name for this one, so as I say, I just said, oh no, not that old chestnut. Um, I'll go back to Mark 8 and I'll go from verses 10 through to 14. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back in the boat and left them. 
and he crossed to the other side of the lake. But the disciples, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf with them in the boat. This demanding a special sign. What an extreme example of arrogance and pride that the Pharisees have done towards Jesus. Sounds a bit like saying, okay, so much for the small time miracles. Let's come up, with, come up to the Premier League and let's play a proper game. Not being content with things like casting out demons, healing the sick, healing the lepers, the paralyzed, the diseased, crowd, pic, crowd picnics from nowhere, even one of their own sight leads, Jairus, his daughter being raised from the dead. He must have done very well keeping quiet with that, like Jesus asked him to. They've been seeing these miracles for two years. So why do they keep harping on about it even now? As Marky Andrews is not here, we could say this, they should have gone to Specsavers. <laughs> Interesting, Jesus decides enough is enough and they're off. Or as Gordon would say, enough. The Pharisees have had their proof and now they've got to decide for themselves. They've had their cake, they've got to eat it. Matthew's gospel is a bit different to Mark's on the Pharisees' demands. In Matthew 16, verse 4, Jesus tells them that the only sign they will see will be the sign of Jonah. So what's all that about? Well, earlier in the same chapter, chapter 12, verses 39 to 41, we read that as for Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nivana, I got that wrong earlier, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here. There's a lot of people that we talk to today that ask us questions, but what do they do with those answers that we give them? And this is where, Louisa, I thought your, your word was so spot on because as I pre prepared this message I always felt a bit challenged by God about having to look around for more people that are hungry for Jesus but at the same time not giving up with our families and friends that we've been praying for for donkey's years to get saved and nothing's happened no but we can't just concentrate on that we've got to Go for more people that are going to listen to the word and, and come and take it on board. Now on this latest boat trip, 
who's left the bread behind? The, the disciples are acting more like the Pharisees, aren't they? Strong on law, weak on grace. But how easy is it for us to forget a past blessing that we've had? And what paid, needless pain do we go through? All because we don't pray to God about it. Okay, our third point. Are we all still with it? Yeah. So we're back into Mark and we'll go from 15 through to 21. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand? Even yet, are your hearts too hard to take it all in? You have eyes, yet you can't see. Ears, you can't hear. Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves, how many baskets were left did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand anything yet? He asked them. I don't know about you, but I tend to look at yeast very positively because as well as the bread it's also the beer isn't it but yeah um jesus likened yeast jesus likens the fast-growing kingdom of heaven to the rapid spread of yeast in matthew 13 33 and luke 13 21 where a few grams of yeast can work their way through 42 litres of flour. Jews tend to view yeast in a different way. And I think the, para, the para, parable here is unusual because yeast is almost usually used as a negative symbol throughout the Old Testament, like Genesis 19 or Exodus 23. But the Apostle Paul he told the Corinthians to get radical with sin, saying, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? So get rid of the old yeast. And he also warns the Galatians to flee from false teaching in Galatians 5 verse 9, because a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So Mark's expecting us to be on board here with this concept when we're back on the boat. Meanwhile, the disciples are a bit confused. They think they're going to get a slap on the wrist from Jesus for forgetting the food and only bringing one loaf of bread. When they've got those seven enormous baskets, size of a man, full of food that they could have brought and they haven't brought. No, Jesus is not talking about a catering problem here. He's talking about a massive Jewish issue. 
the Pharisees, they might pretend to be following the laws, the law of Moses, and they'll quote something to you from Exodus 12:19, which says, "For seven days, no yeast to be fat to be found in your house, and whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel." But let's face it, they're flogging the worst kind of yeast possible, contaminating sin of self-righteousness and hypocrisy, something which Luke's confirmed in his gospel, chapter 12, verse 1. And as for our friend Herod and his fans, they pretend that they've compromised with Rome and are inspired by the love of God and the people, but come on, they're flogging dodgy yeast too. So on this trip, back across the Sea of Galilee, we're coming back into Jewish lands. And Jesus is doing this deliberately to show them that the Messiah's story is not just for them, but it's also for the whole world. Israel needs to eat up the message of God's kingdom the 12 small baskets in chapter 6, every bit as the Gentiles eating up the seven massive baskets in this chapter. Uh, in verse 18, Jesus is quoting from Jeremiah 5.21, warning his people that the bad bread of the Pharisees have made them blind to what is obvious to the foreign crowds. So if you're a Jew... Don't let the, brat, the bad bread of the rabbis stop you from eating the bread of heaven. And if, like me, you're not a Jew, it's pretty important for us too. Now, I've read this. I'm still struggling with this. But I've read that a, a yeast cell is about 100 the size of a grain of sand. So we've got to be on our guard to make sure that we pick up all the instances of bad yeast that might be infiltrating through our thinking. Things like hypocrisy, unbelief, or comprising, compromising. It can be on us as quick as a flash, can't it? So let's live for Jesus and for his story alone. So Paul and your band, would you like to come back up? <laughs> I'm just going to bring this into land, okay? I've come away from this passage wondering who are the disciples looking to for their bread? Despite everything they've seen, they still don't immediately look to Jesus for their provision or their daily bread. No. All they're doing is wondering about how they're going to fix it themselves. Rather than exercising their faith in Jesus, they're still looking to their own efforts to solve the problem. Maybe they're waiting for somebody to come along with some sandwiches on another boat and hand them over to them, I don't know. Could be a job there for somebody, couldn't they? Are they thinking, maybe this isn't big enough to worry Jesus about? I can be a bit like that. 
I can be a bit of a Frank Sinatra, doing it my way. So what does it mean to us here today? When we hit a problem, how are we going to respond? Do we immediately look to Jesus, knowing that God, who can miraculously increase bread and fish, can he do everything else that we require him to do? Which side your bread, your bread buttered on? So we've heard about the 5,000, we've heard about the 4,000. It's clear that Jesus is not just for the Jews, but it's also living bread for us and the Gentiles. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your provision. Lord, I thank you that you are happy to take on all of our issues and not just the big ones. Lord, I'm sorry if I just deal with things my way. I want to get more close to you, Lord, and hand everything to you. And I pray for us here today, Lord, you would help us do likewise. Help us not to cherry-pick you, Lord, but to come to you with all of our problems. You are our provider, Lord. For we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.